Welcome to Fierce Fit Feminine and Other F Words. I'm Christine Brunelli, and I help women unstuck themselves. If you enjoy a glass of wine or cocktail to wind down every now and then, especially since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, you are not alone. Alcohol sales and increased heavy drinking in women spiked 41% in the United States since 2020. And as a result, I've launched a challenge called Dry January. But today I want to talk about why alcohol on a regular basis is not such a great idea for your health. And there are things that you want to pay attention to, even if you're not a heavy drinker. So let's get started. The sun is shining, the water is turquoise blue and clear, the palm trees are swinging in the breeze, and the cocktails are flowing, and it's in Mexico. And if you have ever been to a resort in Mexico, especially an all-inclusive resort, you know what I'm talking about. It's so easy. They just keep bringing the drinks, and before you know it, it's maybe 1 or 2 p.m., and you're four margaritas in. (laughs) Can you relate to that? I was working with a company where I was on contract to go work in an all-inclusive resort to offer uh, vacation and time relief off for their entertainment team. And I would go two to three times a year to go teach uh, salsa and dance fitness classes. And it was just the best gig in the world because I got to be there for a week and it was the, it was free for me. I just, in exchange for my time to teach the hotel guests, I got to stay for free. It was free vacation. And, you know, I did find myself having cocktails before noon, right? When you're home, this would never be. When you're on vacation, all rules go out the window. (laughs) And, you know, before we know it, we're having a mimosa at breakfast. And then, you know, at noon, the bartender is looking at you or the server is coming around the pool and bringing these beautiful daiquiris and things that are loaded with rum and tequila and fruit and syrups and sugar and all the things that make these yummy drinks want make us want more. Well, I have definitely overindulged on some of those trips. I'm not going to lie. I'm very guilty of it. So I'm not an angel, <laughs> but I will tell you this. I have been to the point where I never wanted to feel like that again. And it was a great vacation, but there was one day in particular where bartender at this one particular resort is phenomenal. Uh, He knew how I liked my coffee. He made me a nice espresso in the morning. He got me started. And, you know, then he would start experimenting and, and tossing drinks my way. And this one particular day, I didn't want sugar. I just said, you know, no more sugar. And he said, Mexican water, senorita, Mexican water. (laughs) I'm like, what? Well, that's tequila, my friends. Straight, straight tequila. That's Mexican water. So I thought, this is brilliant. I'll just have a little shot of tequila and call it good. I'm not going to be sipping on a drink. I don't have all the sugar and all the side effects. Well, you can have too many shots of tequila. Did you know that? (laughs) I woke up the next day. I it's all I did was tequila shots throughout this one particular day. And when I woke up the next morning, I'm pretty sure... I was close to alcohol poisoning. It was awful. The air hurt my face. It was that kind of feeling where everything in my body was just screaming at me, saying, how did you do this to me? Why did you do this to me? Was it worth it? And no, it wasn't worth it. I mean, walking out to grab breakfast 
was, I was in my 40s when I did this. I wasn't in my 20s, right? I knew better. But also your body doesn't metabolize the booze the same when you're older. And, you know, that was the last time. This was within the last five years, I'd say. That was the last time I let myself overindulge because I had a real hard look at I'm, uh, this isn't good. There's, this is not good for me. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And I had made all of my other health decisions based on how I wanted to feel. And in the moment, one shot of tequila, you feel fine. You're great. You're happy. But several shots down the road toward the end of the day, you're not so fine. It doesn't feel good anymore. And then you know the next day doesn't feel good. And I I'm sharing that with you to be vulnerable and transparent to say, I am there. I know what it's like to go too far. And I also know what it's like to go, I'm done. And now I've landed at a place of a happy medium. I I definitely regulate how much I drink. I look at alcohol content. I look at sugar content. All of that, if I have a glass of wine, I make sure it's not on an empty stomach. And there are things that happen with alcohol consumption to our body that you may not be aware of. And I think the more knowledge we have about what alcohol or anything does to our body, the more aware the next time you go for a drink, I hope you hear this podcast episode in your brain. I hope you say, Okay, I can have this one, but if I have more than that, this is what's going to happen to me. I hope that this main this knowledge is power for you, a power to override bad decisions, a power to take control of your health and be in control of your alcohol consumption. Because if you are in that 41% whose alcohol consumption in the United States increased, the 41% of women who are drinking more than you ever have, I know you're also having a hard time not drinking. You're finding that glass of wine. You're looking forward to it. At the end of the workday, you're using it to unwind and you're starting to see that it's hard habit to break. And I want to help you break that habit. If you're not in dry January, it's not too late. You can always send me a message. How do I do it? Because we still have several weeks left, but I want to give you some information about how alcohol affects your body. So let's get started with this. Have you ever thought what actually is happening? Like, or do you just mindlessly enjoy your cocktail? I want you to know what's actually happening because alcohol affects your body quickly. So when you have a drink, it is absorbed through the lining of your stomach and goes into your bloodstream. Once it's there, it spreads into all the tissues of your body, including your brain. And you already know that it reaches your brain in only five minutes. It starts affecting you neurologically within 10 minutes. No matter what, five minutes it hits your brain, starts affecting you within 10 minutes. That's one drink, okay? (laughs) After 20 minutes, your liver starts to process and metabolize the alcohol. So on average, this is why they say one drink an hour, because the On average, for the average person, the liver can break down and metabolize one drink per hour. So a blood alcohol level of 0.08 is the legal level for driving in the United States. Now, if you you have no way to measure this, I don't know how much 0.08 is for me, but I do know how much is too much to get behind the wheel. I do know. And I do know that there are people that think because they're high functioning alcoholics, eh, I've done it before a hundred times I can do this. And they still get behind the wheel anyway. 
terrifying, right? If that's you, I hope this episode helps you. So let me just break down what the stages look like for this, because now 20 minutes in of one drink, the the liver is starting to metabolize the alcohol. So when you become actually intoxicated, that happens when the alcohol intake exceeds the liver's ability to break it down. That's when you're getting drunk. Okay, so when you're drinking more than what the liver can handle. So there are different levels. So I told you a story about Mexico. Okay, I didn't hit death, but that's the final level. That's too much alcohol. Okay, so there are different levels of alcohol consumption where the blood alcohol concentration is 0.08 or less or higher. So I want to go into that with you just to give you an idea. So you can think about yourself when you have a drink and where you might be landing just to give yourself a self-exam or self-evaluation. Between 0.01 and 0.05 blood alcohol content, that's the first stage of what they call intoxication. It's subliminal intoxication is what they call it. You don't look like you've been drinking, but your reaction time, your judgment may be slightly altered. It depends on your weight, okay, so how much you weigh. And for women... It's going to be different than men because we have, we are usually smaller, way less, all the things, right? So this is before, this is from 0.01 to 0.05. You can legally drive in the United States with this much alcohol, but you can, you can still have altered or impaired thinking. Think of it this way. You're speaking louder or you're laughing more. You're, you have, your inhibitions have lowered. Okay. Next, you go into euphoria. Euphoria is where you are between 0.03 and 0.12 blood alcohol content. Euphoria is this. During the early stages of drinking, this is what happens. The brain releases dopamine. And then dopamine, of course, if you don't know, is linked with pleasure. So during this feeling, you start to feel relaxed and confident. They call this like beer goggles and, you know, boozy confidence, whatever you want to call this, this is the euphoric stage, but your reasoning and your memory start to get impaired. So this is where you're tipsy. So tipsy starts at 0.03 to 0.12. So it goes from 0.03 to 0.07 is still legal to drive. So you can be tipsy, not full on drunk and still be illegal to drive. It depends on your body. It depends on how your body blows this blood alcohol content into a thing, right? So 0.08 and higher, you can't legally drive. So I want you to pay attention to that. So you go from slightly intoxicated, which is called subliminal. That's the first one where you can drive no matter what. The next stage is euphoria and it depends on your body and your body weight, but that's where you start to get very relaxed and confident. The next stage is called excitement. This stage, you are definitely in the illegal realm of blood alcohol content. It's 0.09 to 0.25. Now you're legally intoxicated. This level of being drunk affects the occipital load of the, the occipital load of the brain, the temporal lobe of the brain, and the frontal lobe of the brain. This is where you start getting slurred speech, lack of control, blurred vision, you're, you're really starting to notice the effects of alcohol. This might be when you walk into a party where they've been drinking. It might be a good example where you haven't had a cocktail yet and you're already seeing the loudness. They're, they're talking loudly. The words are starting to slur. This is the phase where they are. 
Okay, that stage is the excitement stage. It's also a stage where you start getting mood swings and maybe somebody starts to feel a little nauseous or vomit. It can go that far. It depends on how small they are, how their body is metabolizing it. But that's the euphoric stage. So that's this is before the crash. Okay, so this is like the drunk stage. Then you get into confusion. This is up to 0.3. So 0.18 to 0.3 for a blood alcohol level, this is disorientation. This is where the cerebellum that helps you coordinate things, you can't walk the straight line, right? You're just about in a stupor. Um, It's where you can have a blackout. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had so many drinks that you have short-term memory loss? That's this phase, okay? So you may remember the excitement phase, And then the next day you wake up and go, I remember up until this point, then I can't remember anymore. That's because you entered a blood alcohol content level that was too high. Your body couldn't break it down and you hit the confusion phase. After that, you're in a stupor where you are basically at alcohol poisoning. This is the person that can't do anything. You're pretty much going to have to pick them up, drag them to their out of the, your car because you drove them home and stay with them to make sure they're going to be okay. Because if they cross this line, the next stage is death. Okay. Death happens with a blood alcohol content over 0.45. So that's where the body just can't manage the alcohol anymore. The blood is poisoned. So where most people most of you, I'm guessing, would land is you've been from the subliminal to tipsy all the way to excitement and maybe a little blackout, okay? Because you had a little too much. You've probably had that happen at least once. And if you haven't, good on you. Good girl. (laughs) So what is it doing to your body though? What is it doing? So now you know the different phases of alcohol intoxication. Now I want you to know what's actually happening because this is the knowledge that's power. This is what I want you to think of next time you want to break dry January streak and go for that glass of wine. I want you to think of this, okay? What is the first part of the body that you think alcohol damages? When you think of alcohol damage, what do you think of? For me growing up, I always heard it was liver. I always, in my mind... Uh, somebody would get cirrhosis of the liver. The next thing I would think of was pancreatitis or pancreatic cancer. How about you? I wonder what you, in your mind, before learning anything, what you think. Those two things are not wrong, but it's interesting that those are the things we hear about most. So let's break it down because it's so much bigger than that. And you have to drink a lot to get to the point of cirrhosis of the liver. If you're a social drinker, cirrhosis of the liver is probably not going to be a concern for you. Other things, though, are going to be a concern. By the way, how many drinks are too, are you considered drinking too much? Seven drinks a week, which is a one poor drink, one glass of something, is considered the healthiest. If you're going to drink at all, that's the healthy limit for a woman. Seven drinks of, a week. So for reference, a bottle of wine has five drinks in it. So... That's just for reference. I'm not suggesting you should drink one glass of wine a day or you should skip it and drink it all in one day, right? We want to think about how your body is processing it because this is a, a substance that affects your body in negative 
ways. The negatives far outweigh the positives. So let's go with the first things we've talked about. The first thing we think of is, well, I'm going to go pancreas, okay? So digestive and endocrine glands are fully affected no matter how much alcohol you drink. Drinking too much alcohol, though, causes inflammation of the pancreas, and that leads to pancreatitis. Pancreatitis starts causing all kinds of problems with the blood sugar, insulin, and even abdominal pain. Long-term has serious complications. Okay, inflammatory damage that happens from too much alcohol consumption. And this can happen even in a short term, like my Mexico story, I had inflammatory damage. Okay, some of it may not even be reversible. So think about those binge drinking weekends with the girls weekends or whatever. Some of the damage from that alcohol is not reversible. Okay, inflammatory damage is part of what affects your liver. So we talked about liver. What happens, The liver. so the liver's job, in case you're not sure, the liver's job is to detoxify all the bad things in the blood. All the, It removes toxins and all the harmful substances in your body. So it goes through the liver. Long-term alcohol use interferes with that process. So the liver starts to get resistant, gets chronic inflammation. Alcohol-related liver disease is potentially life-threatening. Okay, it can lead to waste buildup in your body where the liver can't do its job anymore. It can get to the point where it is so scarred, you have cirrhosis of the liver. When scar tissue forms, that's permanent damage. Think about a scar anywhere where you have a scar on your skin. Think about it. Does that scar ever really go away? Depending on how deep it is, some scars that are super deep, maybe you had stitches or staples, they're not going away, right? Think about that in terms of an organ that you can't see. So I want you to just go there. Let your mind go there. If you are having a hard time breaking the habit, you're, that you may need to find extra help outside of a podcast to help yourself find support to stay sober and not damage your liver anymore. But that can definitely be a problem. So when your pancreas and your liver are affected, guess what happens? Sugar levels start getting messed up, right? So the body uses insulin to respond to glucose. And now if the pancreas and liver don't function properly due to, you know, all the problems from drinking, you start having blood sugar issues. Blood sugar issues are a whole other problem because now it affects the foods that you can eat. Now it affects your moods. Now it affects your weight, okay? All of that, the body can't manage and balance your blood sugar levels if you have gotten to the point where the pancreas and liver are unhealthy. When is too far? How much is your body able to handle before your pancreas and liver say, I'm done? That's the information that we don't know. Every single human body is different. Your body has a right to shut you down before your sister. Your body has a right to say, I I can't handle the amount of alcohol my best friend does. And guess what? I can't drink anymore. Now I'm full on sober. I'm not having anything because I have cirrhosis. Your body is different than your friend than your family, than anyone else. You can't compare it. You have to get to know what's going on with you and manage responsibly what you think is responsible. I would even pair it back, (laughs) okay? If you think that, oh, I can handle three drinks on one evening, why don't you just pair it back to one? Um, Pair it back to two. Pair it back. 
give your body a fighting chance to be as healthy as possible because you don't know when your time might be up. And I want you to be able to live life, enjoy life, not get a damaged pancreas or a damaged liver. Central nervous system is your brain, okay? So alcohol definitely affects that. This is when you start seeing slurred speech, right? Alcohol, there's a communication piece between the brain and different body parts, right? That's why you can't, they always, um, you imagine somebody walking a straight line, trying to touch their finger to their nose, um, counting backwards from 20, whatever. That's the central nervous system. Over time, alcohol can damage your central nervous system, which is your brain. But not only does it damage your gross motor skills or your speech, it can lead to numbness and tingling in your hands and feet. It can create long-term memory loss. It creates your inability. It creates your ability to make decisions. So you're unable to make decisions where you get to the point where you're, you're drinking so much, the alcohol has affected your brain in a way that you can't reverse it. You can't reverse it. Your memory has been affected. I want you to think about that next time you want to go for more than you should. Irreversible damage to the brain the central nervous system. Okay. Brain, liver, pancreas. Digestion. Okay. Let's talk about this. How does it affect a digestive system? Have you ever had too much to drink and had diarrhea the next day? I'll bet you may have. Okay. If you have ever overindulged, the body, the digestive tract is affected. This is because alcohol is a diuretic Alcohol leaches water from your body. It damages the tissues in your digestive tract and it prevents your intestines from digesting food and absorbing nutrients and vitamins properly. So now here we have another thing to think about. Okay. One glass of wine, is it going to kill you? Is it going to hurt your intestines? No. I'm talking about abuse. I'm talking about you have started drinking through the pandemic and it's becoming a habit and you see it and you want to break it, okay? Your digestive system is not able to absorb nutrients and vitamins properly when it becomes such a habit for you that you're drinking on a regular basis. This can lead to malnutrition, obviously. That's the worst case scenario. But smaller, lesser, serious symptoms are going to be bowel gas, bloating, feeling feeling of fullness in your abdomen, diarrhea, like I mentioned. And then you're looking at more serious things like ulcers because it is absorbed in your stomach, right? And when you drink alcohol, the stomach is getting something in there. So it's dumping gastric juices in there to break it down. That's where the ulcers are coming from. Another thing that happens due to dehydration, diarrhea, or constipation is hemorrhoids. These are yucky things to talk about, but this is fact. So if you're having trouble thinking about dry January, I want you to think about all the ways staying dry and sober are helping your body right now. Healing things that may have had damage. If you have been to the point where it was alcoholism, you may have irreversible damage when it comes to some memory, right? Cognition, brain cells. You've always heard that, right? But the other things can be healed. Scar tissue from liver cirrhosis, the scar will always be there, but you can heal moving forward. Circulation. How does it affect your circulation? Well, high blood pressure, irregular heartbeat, stroke, heart disease, heart failure, heart attack, heart, 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 heart. Is heart is a, a heart condition in your family already? Are you genetically predisposed? 
you might want to watch your alcohol content. Chronic drinking can affect your heart and lungs. Chronic drinking. Drinking is a vasodilator. It opens up the blood vessels. It makes them bigger so blood rushes in. That's why we get flush and we turn red. When you do that, think about it. Your body wasn't planning on on dilating the blood vessels. It's just minding its own business, right? Your body's just humming along, pumping blood, keeping you moving and happy, keeping you healthy. And you have that glass of wine or you have a beer or you have a cocktail. All of a sudden your face is getting flush because this substance went in unnaturally, told your blood vessels to get bigger. Okay. Think about that on a regular chronic basis. That is why it can lead to heart problems down the road. If you're predisposed, you need to be careful with that. All right, let's talk about sex, baby. Okay, we got to bring it up because this is another side effect. This is an issue for alcohol. Drinking alcohol lowers your inhibitions. We all know that. So you might think that it ramps up your time in the bedroom, but reality is it it lowers sex hormone production. It lowers your libido. It keeps, it, it, it does, it's more difficult to achieve euphoria in the sexual experience or orgasm. It's harder to do that. It's, there's all this inhibition that the alcohol is doing to the body. Excessive drinking inhibits that. So one drink in the first phase, that subliminal intoxication or the tipsy intoxication, you're probably fine. This is chronic. Actually, no, if you just have a, over too much to drink, it, it can affect that on a one night thing. But for a chronic drinker, someone that's drinking a lot all the time, you're probably losing your sex drive. And when you finally do get to the point that you are enjoying sex with someone, you may not be enjoying the actual act as much as you could be if you weren't drinking as much. Those are some of the main things that I wanted to bring up. The other thing that I haven't talked about that's super important, and I I did this with sugar in a previous episode, but your immune system. Right now, especially, we're still in this virus. I'm sick of talking about it as much as you are, but do you want to be healthy? Do you want to give your body the best chance possible to have a strong immune system? Well, drinking heavily reduces the body's natural immune response. A weakened immune system has a harder time protecting you from pathogens, from viruses. People who drink heavily over a long period of time are also more likely to develop pneumonia. Don't know why that is, but that's a thing. Almost 10 times more likely to suffer from pneumonia. It could be the connection for the heart disease because we just talked about how blood pressure changes and that's all heart and lungs work hand in hand. It might have something to do with that. I don't know, but I can tell you that drinking alcohol puts you at a higher risk for pneumonia if you're a chronic drinker. I didn't get into the psychological effects. I didn't get into memory, concentration, impulsivity, your emotions, your mood, your personality. I got into the the nuts and bolts of your health. But then there's all the other stuff that chronic drinking can do. So when you're trying to stay sober in the dry January challenge, or maybe you're trying to drink, (laughs) or no, maybe you're trying to break the drinking habit, I want you to think about this. Is heart disease in your family? Are you to the point where you're afraid you might be close to cirrhosis of the liver because you are drinking just way too much, two glasses of wine a night every single night to wind down? My friend, that's too much. 
I'm a physician, chiropractic physician. When we do intake paperwork and people ask you like, why do they want to know our alcohol? We, first of all, physicians know most people are not honest on those things. (laughs) Almost all of us know. Yeah, it's not honest. If they're saying they're having three drinks a week, they're probably having six, right? You're trying to save face. Physicians know that. But why is it measured? Why is it important? It's important because if you're having more than seven drinks a week, you're considered an alcoholic in terms of health. You have an alcohol problem. It's hard for me to say because I know some of you may be struggling with this. I want you to be able to break the habit. Try January. Give yourself your own challenge. Find a support group. Hey, maybe gather some friends and say, can we do this together? Because every time we get together, we're drinking and I love it and it's fun and I love my friendship with you. But I'm feeling like I'm probably getting a little bit too reliant on this to unwind and have a good time. And I want to give, you know, I'm at the age where I want to give my body a shot. I want to give my body the best chance to stay healthy. I want to be here to, you know, do whatever you want to do in your hopes and dreams. Maybe gather some friends and do it yourself. Find a dry January challenge, join mine, or, you know, find another way, a group outside or extra support because your health really does depend on it. You can still have an occasional glass of whatever to enjoy socially. It's not going to damage you. I'm talking about the chronic, looking forward to it, feel like you can't go to sleep without it, doing it on a regular basis kind of drinking. And if you are in my dry January challenge, I hope this information helps you stay dry for the remainder of January. Use this knowledge as power to go, when you want that, when you go to crave and pour that glass, I want you to say, What is this going to do to my heart, my pancreas, my liver, my brain? What is it going to do that's irreversible? I want you to think of those things next time you go to have a glass of wine, next time you go to have a glass of anything. And interestingly, if you ever do a dry January or any other sobering challenge, any type of sobriety challenge, your relationship with alcohol changes. When you move forward, you won't be the person, most likely, most people, won't be the person that goes too far to the point of stupor or to the point of where you're you're close to blood alcohol poisoning or you're too drunk. Most people, after they do a sobriety challenge, make healthier choices for themselves and they have more self-control. So if you are doing a sobriety challenge right now, I want to say, good job. I want to say, keep going. How do we move forward when we want it? One, I want you to hear these words in my head from this episode. Two, find an alternative. What are the alternatives to drinking? Well, there are tons out there. You can find sparkling water. You can just go for hot tea. You can go for a pure water. Make it a double whammy. Take the alcohol away and let your body just have pure water. Hydration. That, my friend, is going to change your health for the better in more ways than you can even count. There are options out there. And I will be sharing in the show notes a link to some non-alcoholic options that you can try. And one other thing you can do, instead of sitting down with a glass of wine at night or a beer or a cocktail to unwind, instead of that, if a glass of hot of water or hot tea is not appealing to you, do something on your productivity list. Clean your refrigerator. Clean your pantry. Purge everything that has an expiration date. Purge your closet. 
Organize your linen closet. Organize under the kitchen sink, under the bathroom sink. Find projects to occupy your time. Yes, you are supposed to be unwinding and not working, but this is a one-month challenge. So if you are in a challenge and you're trying to find ways to not reach for a bottle to pour something and you want to stay sober, you can find all kinds of non-alcoholic options to drink, but you can also fill your time with productivity. Get little projects done. Use that time to move you forward. That is setting you up for the best year of your life. This is all I have for you today. I hope it's helpful. If you have any comments, questions, wins, strategies that you use, concerns, shoot me an email. I would love to hear from you. Info at christinebrunelli.com. Christine with a C-H-B-R-A-N is in Nancy E-L-I.com. Thank you for being here. It's too hard to do a challenge and not understand the why. And your why might be for a sobriety challenge. It might be I'm just seeing myself getting too reliant on this. But if you understand the deeper implications of decisions of staying with an unhealthy habit, I believe that knowledge is power. That is your conscious decision if you do go for a drink. It's a conscious decision knowing what that substance is doing to you and knowing what the limits are and where you should be stopping to give your body the best, healthiest shot to be at its optimum performance. I love sharing information like this. I'm an educator at heart. I love helping you have information that's going to help you get unstuck, move forward, and live your best life. And if this episode helped you, don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can get notified the next time a new episode is released.